Welcome to the Boom Boom Performance Podcast, your resource for science-based training and nutrition, data-driven coaching, and education-focused content. Before we get into this podcast, I just want to say thank you for taking the time to listen and learn with me so that you can apply what you are about to learn, take my strategies, use these tools, and finally have some serious methods to see sustainable success with your physique, your mind, and your life. This podcast was built on the foundation of applied education, and I'm excited for you to be here so you can have that experience with me. Now, without any further ado, let's get on to the show. Today, I want to do a mindset Q&A. So for a long time, we were doing every single Monday as a Monday motivation, and it would be a quick uh, short podcast uh, that we just crank out would be like 10 to 15 minutes and I would just go in on some motivational stuff. So um, number one, if you enjoy those, please reach out to me and let me know um, for one of two reasons. Number one, if we ever decide to just throw out some bonus episodes and we want to do some weeks where we have an extra episode and there's quick short ones where I just throw some fire at you to motivate you. I will do that. I would love to do that. I enjoy doing that. Um, I actually like talking about motivation and accountability in business and life and entrepreneurship, inspiration, goal setting, things like that. Honestly, just as much as I enjoy talking about fitness, sometimes even more because it amps me up so much. It's kind of like fuel to keep me moving forward on my goals. Um, So if you enjoy those, let me know because obviously we'll do more of them in the form of a Q&A like this, uh, which you can just drop down, click the link in the description or the show notes of this podcast, and you can drop me any question you want. Uh, and, and we have questions. Um, we have a question box that's an email form. So you just click that, you fill it out, put your name and email and, and throw it out. You're not going to be on some email spam list when you do that, but it will give me a chance to respond to you via email if I need to. So sometimes people ask questions and honestly, it's not the best podcast question. It is a great question for discussion though. So I will just click the email, hit respond, and we'll just start a conversation. So that's why that is there. Um, But if you have any questions on mindset or on motivation, on inspiration, please drop them in there. Because if you do that, it tells me one of two things. A, that you like these kind of podcasts. And two, that you uh, will use the form. And that's a good way to get the questions from you guys, which we're trying to do more of so we can do more Q&As and really just get to doing content around what you really enjoy. So Um, The last thing I will say about this before we get into the podcast today is that um, we encourage you guys to engage with us. We want to hear feedback about the podcast, whether that is audio quality or video quality, which we are actually doing some cool things right now to to step up video quality for the YouTube, which is going to be fun um, that Travis has been playing with. But if you enjoy any of it, let us know what you enjoy. Let us know what you want to hear more of. Let us know why you enjoy it. I I just want to create more content around what you love, literally. Um, You as in everybody listening to this because that's who we do this for. So uh, if you enjoy the motivational stuff, please do me a favor. Drop me an email. Drop me a comment. Drop me a question in the question form that we have in the description. Let me know so I can do more of this stuff. Um, And we can just start making every Monday a mindset Q&A if that's what you guys enjoy. Or we can get back to Monday motivations. We can get back to just randomly throwing out some 10 minute episodes on motivation. Um, This podcast is for the people, literally. So the podcast for the people, (laughs) um, I want to hear from you. So uh, without any further ado, let's jump into the podcast today. I don't have any cool announcements uh, other than that. Um, Charity shirts are being designed for the next one. I guess that's the only announcement I can think of just to share something with you guys. 
Um, we're doing some cool things inside the Taylor Trainer to update that, uh, get people more access to more things, um, which I should plug this. Actually, I don't think I ever plugged this, but we created a sample uh, training program thing, PDF giveaway. <laughs> so if you want to check out what is in the uh, Taylor Trainer, uh, click the link in the show notes that says grab sample workouts here or something along those lines, and you can check it out. Uh, this link is going to be found on my Instagram uh, in the members story highlight, or you can find it on these podcast description. You can't find it on the website right now. Uh, but if you want to check out the the way we do things in the Taylor Trainer, if you want to see what the programming is like, I give a sample week of a three-day, four-day, and five-day performance bodybuilding program, which is really like my style. It's my method. It's it's something I've coined and created. Um, So I wanted to put that in there because that's the foundation of how I program. So if you want to get some a a taste of what we do in there, a taste of what my programming looks like, click that link, sign up for the thing. You'll get an email that'll give you the giveaway, uh, that'll give you the the free guide um, and the free programming. And then from there, uh, you can test our our training out for a week, whether you do a three or four day or five day. It is only one week of of training. Obviously, if I gave you more, it defeats the purpose of getting you into the membership. Um, But if you want to join, our personal inner circle, our family, our tailored trainer membership, uh, you should do so and you should check out the sample programs first. Um, the other announcement about the charities, we have a charity shirt coming up. I believe we are going to launch it November 1st. So stay in the loop for that. Um, we don- donated over two grand to the Fuck Cancer Foundation because of the last shirt donation, which was really, really good because um, a lot of the donations, you know, you, you for the shirt to be printed on front and back and for shipping and all that kind of stuff that we had to pay for, um, a lot of the donations were only like five bucks. So five bucks a shirt. Some of them were 10. Some people donated uh, 20, 30, 40, 50. Um, so it kind of evened itself out and we got a good amount of money and then obviously we matched. Um, so we were able to donate quite a bit to the Fuck Cancer Foundation. They were actually super, super pumped. Uh, sent us an email. They're actually sending me and Shannon some merch, apparently, but um, they were stoked. So I think most times people give them small donations, uh, which is great. I mean, any donation is a donation, but for somebody to come by and, and hand them thousands is, is pretty fucking cool. Um, and then the next one coming up, I'm not going to announce what we're doing it for, but the next couple charities uh, hold a near and dear place in my heart um, because of very close friends and families who have been through specific things, traumatic things that uh, we're going to do something about and we're going to help support and and bring awareness to and donate money to to help enforce ending it. Um, And the shirt is probably going to be my favorite shirt because it is modeled after, in my opinion, the greatest band of all time. So um, you guys will have to wait and stay tuned. And I don't think you guys will get, for those, those loyal listeners, I don't think you'll really get who I'm talking about because I think I've mentioned so many different artists that are amazing. Uh, I love A Day to Remember. I love Incubus. I love Oasis. I love Red Hot Chili Peppers. I love Led Zeppelin. Um, going back into the oldies, um, I listened to a lot of punk growing up, uh, so I can't get enough of the class, the Ramones, the Misfits, the Casualties, Rancid. <laughs> so I don't think you guys are going to ever really understand uh, or get this until you see it, uh, but I'm excited for that one. It's going to be really cool. Really cool design, too. The way it's made is, is going to be sick. So I'm, I'm really pumped about that. And we fixed all the drop shipping issues. So this next time the shipping will be much faster. I think it took like probably about four or five weeks, which honestly, if you usually order a charity shirt, it usually takes like we did one, uh, we ordered a shirt for Shannon through a charity, um, that supported this mom's, uh, son's cancer. And he, I think it took 
two months to get her shirt because a lot of times you got to collect money over the course of however many weeks. Then you got to get all the prints done and then you got to label and then you got to ship out and then it takes weeks to get across the country, you know. So it's not a fast process. Typically, this is why we move the charity from being every month to every third month because we realize it takes a while to get through all this. And soon we want to be able to do it every other month um, because I think we've solved the problems that we ran into the first time to make the process more efficient, faster, and the shirts better. Um, we're getting a different style of shirt that I really like that, that are my favorite. So um, really cool stuff on the horizon. Um, and we have some really, really cool things going on with the tailored coaching team um, that I can't share. But there's some big things going on and things are going to just get better and better and better for the clients. And I'm really excited about that. Uh, we're going to be able to help on a completely new level. So with all that being said, I guess I did have a few announcements. That's an eight-minute intro for you. Um, we're going to get right into the mindset questions of today. The first question is, what are your favorite books on mindset, and what are the biggest takeaways from those books? Um, so I listed five, and a couple of them are like all-time favorites, and then a couple of them are uh, recent favorites, like things I literally – one that I'm in the middle of and one that I, I – uh, read just recently. I just finished like a week or two ago. Um, and that's the first one. The first one is it takes what it takes. And I think it's by Trevor Moad is his name. And the foreword is by Russell, uh, Wilson from the Seahawks. And, uh, and this was actually referred to me by a client that I used to have, but what it talks about and it takes what it takes is exactly what, what the title says really like it takes what it takes and it has this idea of neutral thinking and how neutral thinking produces better results and the way they explain it is really really cool so you have positive and optimistic thinking right this positive and optimistic thinking is great but sometimes it, it forces you to live in la la land right you are so positive and you are so optimistic that you're not realistic and you're not logically taking action on things that need to be done. And if you are negative, then you are never motivated or ambitious or positive enough or optimistic enough to chase opportunities and take action on things. Yet a neutral thinker is right in the middle. They have the positive outlook. They have optimism, but they also understand the realism of negativity. They understand the realism of what's going on in life, in the world, in their job, in their career, in their sport, in their fitness, in their body, whatever they're pursuing at the moment. So if we have a neutral way of thinking, we can kind of balance out the positive and negative, kind of balance out the the fantasy and optimism uh, with the, the negativity in, in dwelling, right? And then we can find a middle ground that allows us to take an actionable uh, a response. And the cool thing about this is he is a performance coach for a bunch of top athletes. And when I say performance coach, I do not mean fitness. I mean mind. He is a mindset specialist and he talks to them about this neutral thinking. And he, he explains in the book how these scenarios in sports and some of the greatest games like the Super Bowl, how you can be a neutral thinker and how after the second half, when you're down, when you're losing, when you've thrown a bunch of interceptions, how only if you can think neutral, you can actually see a logical plan on how to win. If you think too positively, you won't, you won't have a realistic approach to taking action. If you think negatively, you won't even be able to step back on the field and get shit done, period. So the way he approaches neutral thinking is really, really cool. Um, I also like it because the guy is from Seattle, so I'm, I'm somewhat biased, but um, I highly recommend that. I, I did the audiobook. I think it's a great audiobook. Um, and there's a lot of really good like takeaways and analogies. Um, and the second thing I, I learned from it is that everything you consume is absorbed and influences your actions and behaviors. 
So one of the examples in the book, and I'm sorry to any of the country fans listening to this, but one of the things he talks about is the power of music and how it influences our mind and how we think and how we act and our attitude, right? So he was listening to country. He purposely listened to nothing but country for two weeks. I think it was two weeks. Maybe it was three. Like all day, every day. No audiobooks, no podcasts, no rap, nothing. Just country. And if you listen to the lyrics of country, nine times out of ten, it's pretty depressing, right? It, it's talking about getting cheated on. It's talking about losing somebody in your life. It's talking about getting dumped. It's talking about being alone on the farm. Like, it's very depressing. Like, very rare. Like, if you listen to Florida Georgia Line, you might see hear some positivity because they just sing about partying and drinking beer, which is great. That stuff is uplifting <laughs> in a sense. But most country is kind of depressing, um, and it is nothing against country. To be honest, with you. I, I like uh, like Chris Stapleton and stuff like that, which is actually some of the most depressing country because it's very bluesy. Um, so I like it. But yeah, he made a good point. He listened to this for like two or three weeks straight, all day, every day, and he found himself in a depressive state. People started noticing he was acting different. He couldn't get out of this funk. He had way less motivation. He had uh, lower numbers at work. Like the list went on, and the only thing he changed was the music he was listening to on a daily basis, right? So what this points out is, one, it pointed out to him how he treats his clients. He had his clients going forward listening to symphonies and Beethoven and positive hip-hop and positive rock and roll and motivational uh, beats and things like that. It's almost like you have to consistently watch neutral and or positive things, listen and hear, or you will never think neutral or positively, right? And we still need to be somewhat positive. So I don't want you guys to take the neutral thinking too serious. Um, but it takes you away from being negative and it takes you away from being too optimistic is the whole point of neutral thinking. But if you're listening to negative things, I mean, and this is I'm – a, I'm a huge music fan. So I listen to everything. I listen to hard hardcore metal. I listen to screamo. I listen to – emo, I listen to punk, I listen to gangster rap, I listen to country, I listen to everything. And the problem is, is like most of the stuff talks about hardships, right? That's what puts meaning in somebody's voice. Like if you listen to Alice in Chains, uh, especially Alice in Chains, the uh, unplugged MTV special. If, you, if you're a rock fan at all, listen to that album. It's so amazing. It's their unplugged, so it's all acoustic. But the pain in that man's voice is unbelievably deep. And that's what makes his voice so powerful. That's what makes the music so good. But it's sad, right? He is no longer with us. Linkin Park, if you listen to the lyrics, it's deep and it's sad and it's kind of fucked up. He is no longer with us. If you listen to Soundgarden, his lyrics are powerful. His voice is the most powerful voice in rock and roll. He's no longer with us. Right. And, it, and it's and it's sad. And those are three of my favorite bands of all time. I've seen uh, Lincoln Park live and I've watched Soundgarden live because they were kind of before my time uh, on DVD with my dad, like pff, eight times at least. Um, and Allison Chains. And they're all uh, except Lincoln Park. They're both from Seattle. But point being is is it's very depressing music. Right. So if you s- listen to that all day, every day, what's going to happen to your attitude? What's going to happen to your way of thinking? What's going to happen to your mindset? If you listen to gangster rap all the time, which I love, especially when I'm lifting weights, and sometimes there is a good good timing for that music, but a lot of times if you listen to it, it's very, very negative. I mean, drugs, money, killing, 
uh, like degrading women. It, it's it's not positive. There's sometimes where I'm listening to it and I'm like, man, I can't even. I have to turn this off. Like I can't listen to it, right? So my point with this is, and and again, this is not me hating on any of those types of music because I actually like all those types of music. And some of my favorite artists are very negative <laughs> and depressing. So I understand. But if you only listen to that, if you only absorb that kind of content, what is going to happen to your mindset, right? What are you watching on TV? I used to love crime TV and horror stuff, right? So we'd be watching American Horror Story. We'd watch scary movies. Uh, the TV show, The uh, Exorcist is scary as hell. Watch like Criminal Minds, all this stuff, right? And then I started thinking about it. I'm like, man, we watch so much negative shit. It's consuming my brain, why do we do that to ourselves? Well, it's entertaining and it's exciting and it's exhilarating, but it's not good, right? It doesn't mean you can never do it. But what I took away from this book is that I need to focus on listening and watching more positive stuff, things like this podcast, things like audiobooks, things like hip-hop instrumentals. Like I just want to listen to the instrumentals, right? Um, there's, there's certain things that allow me to stay in a more positive mind frame and think more neutrally versus getting into a negative place. And it truly is what you consume. So a lot of big takeaways from that book. Uh, the second one that I'm going to list right now, that I'm reading right now, is The Infinite Game. Uh, I'm actually listening to this audiobook as well. There's certain ones I listen to, certain ones I read, uh, but I'm always listening to an audiobook. Uh, and The Infinite Game is by Simon Sinek. Um, I think that's how you pronounce his name. Really, really good. It, it's essentially about, the, you know, there's finite and there's infinite games, right? Uh, a, a finite game is football. There is a winner, right? There is somebody who's going to have more points at the end. An infinite game is a never-ending game. An infinite game is a game of being better, not being best. So think about that. If you are being best, you have an end point. If you were trying to get to the best, you are just trying to beat other people. So your whole purpose in chasing growth is an egotistical measurement of success. It really is. It's, it's about beating other people. It's about being the quote-unquote best. But if you're chasing being better, then that means you're in competition with yourself. It means that you're in the pursuit of growth. You're not chasing the measurement of what that growth looks like at the end. Does that make sense? Think about that real quick. If you were trying to get better, you were competing against yourself to have a consistent and constant growth over time. And it's that journey of growth and that betterment you see day to day is what you're after, right? A finite game is the opposite. You're trying to become the best. And when you're trying to become the best, you're doing it for an egotistical boost. You are doing it for the sake of being better than other people. And that's not, that's not what you should be after. So an infinite game has a just cause. So for example, tailored coaching method, our, my just cause with this, our just cause is deep. Our just cause of tailored coaching method is to revolutionize the, the individualized coaching space. It is to put a new name for the, the quality of standard of coaching, right? So tailored coaching, I want that to be the new standard. I want to influence Everybody on my team, every member that works with us, everybody who listens to this podcast, all the coaches who follow our stuff, all the coaches that go through our mentorship program, we want to change the online coaching space. We want to change the way it works. We want to change the standard at which people think of coaching. When you hire a personal coach, I want the standard to be on a new level and I want that to be influenced by my company. That is our cause, right? Our cause isn't a revenue dollar sign. Our cause isn't a being better than any other company in the industry. 
I don't care about them. I don't want to be the best because I want to be better than them. I want to be the best because I'm chasing being better. I want to be my best. I want to be our best. I want to be the best for the members, right? So our just cause is changing the way people see and do online coaching because I want someday, I want to eliminate the bad coaches. I want to eliminate the people who don't give a shit about their clients. I want to eliminate the people who recycle plans and don't give good feedback, who don't educate their clients and who don't allow their clients to sustain their results after the fact. Very, very passionate about this, but that's our infinite game. Our infinite game is, is changing the way the online coaching space looks and operates and elevating the standard at which people expect online coaching to be at. That's our just cause. And being in an infinite game means you have a just cause and you are not just chasing growth for the sake of an egotistical boost, right? So Infinite Game is a really, really good book. Um, Wayward Pines by Blake Crouch is uh, the next one I wrote. And this is actually a fiction. So um, I enjoy fiction books. I I'm, I'm struggling with – I just started reading uh, Red Rising uh, and I'm struggling with it. I know some people reached out and said it was a good book. And I got it from a recommendation of a good friend. So I trust them. Um, but I'm having trouble with it because it's almost too sci-fi and it jumps right into it. I'm reading the beginning and I'm assuming I already need to know about – what goes on on their planet. Like I need to know the lingo. I need to know the jobs. I need to know the workers. I need to know the, the different categories of people because um, there's like a leveling system in this world. They live on Mars. And it's like, it, it sounds like a cool story, but it's almost like, man, I got to read the whole first book just to understand what the fuck's going on. And then the second two books are going to pick up. So I might not finish this one. I'm kind of kind of disappointed in it so far. But Wayward Pines was, a, was one of my favorite fictions that I've ever read because it kind of bridges the gap between reality and sci-fi. And if you, if you read a book like that, you can kind of put yourself into – like it's hard for me to put myself into the position of the guy in Red Rising because it's so out there. Like it's such a sci-fi that I can't imagine it literally. But Wayward Pines, I could literally see happening, especially in today's world. But essentially, Wayward Pines is the world is ending, the ecosystem is crashing, the um, environment is breaking, and there's a scientist who creates a world in the hills of, I want to say it's either Idaho or Utah or something like that. But basically, in a really remote place where nobody lives, um, there's like these these mountains that kind of do a big ring and surround this area. And he caves out the bit, the middle, builds a contained uh, town. So you can't get out. You can't, you can only get in through a secret passage, basically through this cliff. Um, and he starts freezing people and they, they put people through these freezing machines. They actually abduct them, kidnap them, and freeze them because they don't want them to know what's going on. So these people wake up thousands of years later and they're in this town that is essentially perfect where they don't know anybody and they're not allowed to talk about their past life or ask questions about what's going on. They have to follow the rules. Like it's very, very trippy. It's, it's, but I could see it happening. That's that's why it gets me is because the guy is a FBI agent starting in Seattle, actually, funny enough. And then this all happens to him. So it's like going from real world normal stuff to, to that is really tra crazy. But as you could probably you're listening, you're probably like, well, what did you learn from that? Well, what I learned from it is that you can become a much more creative writer if you read creative writing. So anybody out there who is writing a lot of Instagram captions, who is talking on a podcast, who is shooting videos, who is writing copy for their website or their emails or anything like that, um, or you're writing blogs, which I recommend most people do, or you're going to write an ebook. Even if it's on a non-fictional topic like fitness or nutrition or anything or business, whatever, 
being able to read something like Wayward Pines or Harry Potter and being able to dive into the world that somebody else created and see how descriptive they are with the words they use, the grammar and punctuation and things like that, it's a game changer. It helps you tremendously to um, become a better writer all around. Your copy will be better. Your descriptiveness inside your writing will be better. Your depth will be deeper. Um, your blogs will be better. Your, your writing will become more personable. So people will really start to attach to your personality inside of, a, inside of writing. Good creative writers have their own style. So if you have your own style, people will fall in love with the style and then they will turn to your articles, blogs, or captions before anybody else's. So I actually think reading fiction is a really, really powerful way to become a better writer. Um, and that's why I read it. But Wayward Pines is my favorite series that I've read so far. It's three, uh, it's three books. Um, I'm trying Red Rising, but I do not know if I'm going to finish it. I'm going to give it a, like basically this week. I'm going to read it every day this week for, for you know, 20, 30 minutes at night like I do normally. And if I can't stick with it, I'm not going to stick with it. But I had some recommendations. I'll actually read them to you from John Romanello this morning. Um, where were they? Uh, of course, Harry Potter. Um, I've been resistant to Harry Potter just because I was a Lord of the Rings fan, and I'm just not. Uh, I just didn't like the movies. Um, but he's suggesting that uh, American Gods and everything else by Neil Gaiman, um, the Graveyard Book, um, and Snow Crash. So those are the next ones on my list. Uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna take his word on it and, and dive into those here soon. Um, number four is The Big Leap. This, these, so these are classics, right? The two first ones were the ones I've already read. The third one was a fiction that I've already read. And then um, four and five are going to be older books that I read and I've read multiple times. And the first one is The Big Leap. And this, is, this really helped me understand and recognize my own upper limit. And so this upper limit is basically your ceiling that you put yourself under. If you are somebody who is striving to make six figures a year, or, or let's say you're just trying to hit that six figure mark in your business, or you're trying to uh, get a promotion in your company, you're trying to uh, have a relationship that lasts longer than six months, you are trying to lose 20 pounds, you are trying to hit your macros every day for 30 days, whatever your thing is, and you're going and you're going, and right before you get to that point, you self-sabotage yourself and you fall back down. So people will say, man, like I always get so close to building my business at this point, and then it, it kind of I fall back, and then I have to build it back up, and I fall back, and I build it back up. Some people are like, I, I've lost 20 pounds four times, but I can't keep it off, or I can only lose 15 pounds, and I almost get to that 20-pound mark that I want, and then I fall off, and I, I gain 10, and I have to start over. There's all these things, right? I, I get through the whole week of hitting my macros. I'm so on point. Saturday comes. I'm good all day. Saturday night comes. I get influenced uh, by, by peer pressure. I drink, have some street tacos, and then I screw up my diet, right? And it's this cycle, right? So the cycle is your upper limit. Everybody has an upper limit. It's a ceiling that you put on yourself, and you will not allow yourself to get beyond that point. And a lot of people will ask, like, why do we have an upper limit? Why do we have a ceiling? And it's for a few reasons. Number one, it's because of self-acceptance, right? So a lot of times people do not truly accept and appreciate themselves. Therefore, they do not feel they are worthy of reaching a certain point of success or a certain result in their body, in their marriage, in their business, in their finance, in their life, in their mindset, in their confidence, whatever it may be. You, you work, 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 but when you get closer to that point, you can't even picture yourself being in that position of success because you do not feel you are worthy of it, which gets really deep. But that's what this book taught me. I saw multiple areas of my life that I was putting a ceiling on myself for, that I was putting an upper limit on, that I was consistently self-sabotaging myself. And it got to a point where I would never get past any of these 
markers, these benchmarks that I wanted to until I read this book and I realized, because once I realized this and I read this book, it allowed me to see these things before they happened. So as I was going through my day, through my week, through my month, and I was approaching my goal and I was on this journey to see success in whatever it is, and I can remember this being the case in my relationship at the time, I can remember this being in my physical body at the time, and I can remember this in my business and in my growth as a trainer at the time. And I read this book and I could pinpoint each upper limit, I could pinpoint the ceiling I was putting on myself in each of those categories, and I could see this upper limit happening. I could see the self-sabotaging acts that I would do before they would happen once I learned how to become aware of this idea of the upper limit. So I would go through my journey, and I would stop and be able to literally be like, fuck, I'm about to do this again. I'm about to self-sabotage myself again. I know what I'm about to do. I do this every time. I recognize it now. I'm going to stop. I'm going to change. I'm going to I'm going to choose a different path, choose a different action. I'm a course correct. And I avoided that. And all of a sudden the upper limit was gone. So, if you have trouble with self-sabotaging, if you have trouble with finishing out a goal, if you have trouble with self-acceptance, if you have tr- trouble with self-love or feeling worthy, The Big Leap is a massively important book for you to read. It's so so good. Um it's one of the it's one of the books that I can honestly say changed my life. Hey guys, I wanted to take a brief moment to mention something really cool before you jump back into the podcast. The thing I am talking about that is so damn cool is the Tailored Trainer. This is a personal trainer in your pocket. This is a one-stop shop to get access to all of my exclusive programming. Whether you can train 3 days, 4 days, 5 days or even 6 days a week. If you want an upper lower split or a push pull legs or a full body or a more athletic based program or you want conditioning, we literally have everything you can imagine and a private group that allows you to get feedback and critiques on your exercise form when you post videos for me to check out. and I'm available every single day to answer your questions. This is the place to get my advice and my training done for you with app software access that delivers the program to you every single day. So if you want access to the Taylor Trainer for less than a cup of coffee a day, yes, that's less than $2 a day, you can click the link in the description now, head over to tailoredcoachingmethod.com/tailored-trainer and you can sign up today. Without any further ado, let's get back to the podcast. Um as well as the next one. The leader who had no title. I'm sure a lot of people thought I was going to say the go-giver which is definitely one of my top books, but the leader who had no title left a bigger mark on me, I think. Um I think the go-giver uh the reason I like the go-giver so much is number one it came naturally to me. I was I was a go-giver before I read this book, but it put it into perspective and it's the best book to recommend to a lot of people. I think for it's such a good book because so many people need to read it. Uh the leader who had no title is basically about titles not mattering. It's about a CEO and founder of a company who uh, a new employee meets but he thinks it's the janitor. So he meets the janitor and the janitor has helping him do all his things and he doesn't realize till later that it's actually the CEO of this huge company. Um and the whole point is is that you know titles don't matter, but work ethic and attitude do. So I don't care what your position is. I don't care how high up in the company you are. I don't care if you are the owner, the founder, or the CEO of the company like I am. It doesn't matter. Everybody's on the same playing field in a lot of ways. Yes, the CEO is going to have more responsibilities. Yes, the CEO is going to have more risk to his name. Yes, the CEO is going to have more pressure on him and have to do more things than most people. He's going to have more roles, wear more hats. But it doesn't make him better than anybody else. Work ethic and attitude make a person their own best and we're all equally best. 
So The Leader at No Title is just a really good book for two different people. Number one, the the owner, the founder to remind themselves that, you know, everybody's got to grind. Everybody's got to do the, the grunt work. Everybody's got to have a, the same work ethic and attitude. Um, because if we're not all equally sharing that attitude and mindset, then the company's not going to grow together like it needs to um, and be a tight family like it needs to. And, and I believe this is one of the main reasons why Tailored Coaching Method is, is, is becoming more and more successful. And the people on our team are all growing more and more and more. And they're growing together. And because of that, the, the company's growing. Um, the, collect, the, the tightness of our collective is, is kind of insane. Not that many people have it. And it's because of things like this. It's because of books I read. It's because of experiences I had personally. Um, and, and them as well, like them coming in, having those same experiences, reading these books too, it helped them a ton. Um, but the leader who had no title is, is, is about that. It's about, it's about nobody being better than anybody else. It's about just working your ass off and getting after it. Um, and it's, and it's good for the founder because of that. And it's also good for the employee because it teaches you that the employee, the, uh, contractor, the person underneath, whatever you're, you are, you're not the founder, you're not the CEO, you're not at the top, but your role is just as important. Because the ship doesn't sail without everybody moving together, right? You, one person can't row a huge boat, right? We need everybody with a row paddling along. So um, this book is great for those individuals too because it motivates you. When I first read it, I was, I was working for somebody else, but it fired me up to help them build that because it, that built me. If I helped them build this, it helped build me. And I didn't do it for a selfish act. I did it because I wanted to affect the people we were affecting. But in my journey to helping grow this mission, to, to build this impact, I myself grew as an individual, as a trainer, as a coach, as a person as well. So I, I really don't know if there's anybody who can't get some good takeaways from the leader who had no title. Whew. Wow. Favorite books on mindset and biggest takeaways. That was five of them. And it took me almost 30 minutes. It took me about 20 something minutes. Um, so I think that was pretty damn good. Uh, let me take a swig of my Rockstar, which I drink too much of. And then we'll get back to it. Um, now I'm going to go through some quicker questions, hopefully. I wasn't planning on taking <laughs> 30 minutes to do that, but I'm glad I did because I think there were some good takeaways in there. And, and something you guys could think about too is the reason I have so many takeaways is because I don't just read a book. I read a book and highlight and underline and circle and journal and take notes and apply it to my life every time I read it. So whenever I read a book, it immediately goes into some kind of reflection and action to make sure that I retain the knowledge in an applicable manner. Next question. Favorite music to work to from Cody Smith on Instagram. Favorite music to work to. And, and this is kind of like, well, why is this a mindset thing? It's because I think that your mindset is is greatly determined by what you're listening to. Kind of like I said with my takeaway from it takes what it takes. Um, my favorite music to work to is typically instrumentals, right? Because instrumentals are going to be – so if you listen to – so if you're like me, if you like music a lot, you can't not like deeply listen to the – uh, the, the lyrics, right? Like when I hear a song, I want to hear what they're saying. I want to understand the story they're telling, right? There's meaning behind good lyrics, right? And this is also why I don't like a lot of new rap because the lyrics aren't great. It's just like random analogies thrown together to make sure they rhyme. Whereas if you listen to some older music, older hip hop, it's storytelling. If you listen to some older rock or even like rock in the 90s, alternative and punk and metal and things like that, there's meaning in the lyrics. Uh, 
and that stuff matters, right? So if I'm working, I can't listen to that shit because if I do, then I'm deep in concentration on the music. I'm not deep in concentration on what I'm doing on my desk, right? Like what I'm doing on the computer, what I'm doing on my content. I, I can't stop thinking about the music. Um, I, I love listening to like freestyles on YouTube, like on Funk Flex or Hot 97, Breakfast Club, things like that. Um, but if I start listening to them while I'm working, I end up just watching the freestyles and I'm just like listening to what they're doing, bob my head. And I realize I haven't written anything in the last 30 minutes. I'm like, fuck, I got to get back to work. So um, I typically like to listen to instrumentals. Um, and when I do listen to uh, actual music, I typically will listen to music that I've already heard a million times because then I'm not too intrigued by the lyrics because I know every word of the song. I know what the song's about and, and I don't need to think about it, right? So I never listen to new music. When I do work and there's there's music going on in the background, it's honestly almost always Oasis. Um, Oasis is one of the most diverse bands in my opinion. They have some like more upbeat rock and roll. They have a lot of acoustic. They have some like piano based stuff. They have, I mean, it's just kind of all over the map. Um, and it's just really good music. It's just really good music. And I know damn near every single song by heart. So it's easy for me to listen to because I can focus on my work and just have it in the background. But for most people, I recommend uh, like instrumentals or uh, brainwaves or anything that you're not going to be drawn into the lyrics, um, which is one of the best parts about music. But it's not a good time for that. Uh, Jonathan Dash Owings on Instagram. What are some of your favorite podcasts? So honestly, I, I, I have been listening to way more audiobooks than I have been podcasts. Um, and I find that like uh, going back to trying to make sure everything I listen to is, is forward thinking is making me positive. I find that right now for where I'm at in my life, uh, audiobooks tend to be much more applicable. You know, um, I, I find that the podcasts are great. Don't get me wrong. And sometimes it's even better to listen to podcasts because it's very casual and it is more neutral thinking as you hear opinions. But if you really want to learn, an audiobook is the most powerful thing. So for me, if I'm uh, listening to something in the morning when I'm on my walk, when I'm cooking breakfast, anything like that, uh, I am listening to an audiobook. If I'm driving, I will listen to a podcast because I, for whatever reason, my brain is just going nonstop in the car and it's hard for me to really, really stay in tune with the book that I'm listening to. So I find that podcasts are better in the car. Um, but my favorite audiobooks uh, for for mindset since we're on that topic, um, and that's typically what I tend to listen to when it comes to audiobooks. Um, the Infinite Game already said that it takes what it takes. I said that um, Conscious Coaching by Brett Brett Bartholomew is great. Uh, the Power of Now by uh, Eckhart Eckhart Tolle, uh, Tolle or or however you say his name is great. Um, Range is really good by David Epstein. It, it's it's one of these books that uh, kind of it goes into the idea of all these high-level producers, high-level athletes, and how they're actually not that special. They're not specialists in one thing. They're actually generalists. They were generally good at a lot of sports. They were generally good at things. The majority of, of high-level people are. Now, you have the anomalies like Tiger Woods, who was the greatest, is the greatest, and it's just like he's that's all he's the greatest at. Um, but it shows all these other people, the vast majority of professional athletes, professional, big CEOs, stuff. they're generally good at a lot of things. Um, seven ha habits of highly effective people, crucial conversations, how to win friends and influence people. Those are all like start with why those are all like amazing. And then atomic habits is amazing too. I'd say like top, top three is going to be atomic habits. Uh, it takes what it takes. Um, and start with why 
probably are going to be the best ones for mindset and, and getting you in a place that's going to be good. Now, as far as podcasts go, um, I'm a big fan of Joe Rogan. Joe Rogan is the the definition of neutral thinking, um, whether it's religious, political, science, environment, uh, sport, fitness. It really doesn't matter. Like any topic, he takes a very neutral approach, and he's he's kind of like the mediator. Um, which is funny that Donald Trump asked him to be the mediator of a debate, <laughs> a candidate debate. Um, but I wonder if that's weird for Joe. Like he's thinking like, man, the president listens to my podcast. What the hell? Like that's wild. Um, but Joe Rogan has a huge influence on the world, really. I mean, he has the probably the biggest. He's got to have the biggest podcast that in the entire podcasting space. Um, and he's just really, really neutral thinking. He has a wide variety of guests. I feel like I learned quite a bit from the Joe Rogan podcast, and it actually introduced me to a lot of different things, experiences, programs, websites, uh, thought processes, other books, so on and so forth. So I really like uh, Joe Rogan, um, of course. Um, I really enjoy Iron Culture with Eric Helms and uh, Omar Isoff just because it's it's very like well-rounded about the iron. It's about lifting. It's not about bodybuilding. It's not about crossfit. It's about lifting. Um, so I really, really enjoy his, uh, their podcast. And honestly, that's, that's really all I, all I listen to, uh, is, is for podcasts right now. I really just listen to Joe Rogan quite a bit. <laughs> and, uh, and then sometimes iron culture, depending on the guest. Um, I always love Joe DeFranco's, uh, industrial strength show, but again, it kind of depends on the guest, depends on the topics that he's going over. Um, but I just find that I don't listen to as many podcasts as I used to. And I think it's just a phase I'm going through. Um, I like muscle for life with Mike Matthews, owner of Legion, um, who we are affiliated with and sponsored by link in the bio to save 20%. Hint, hint. Um, but in general, I just don't listen to too many podcasts anymore. I'm much more of an audiobook guy at the moment. Um, and I'm sure that will change, you know, and when I hear a new podcast, I always jump on it and I could recommend tons of podcasts to you guys that I think are great and some that I've been on. But, um, I think for me, like I'm more of an audiobook guy right now. I'm in this weird phase of like just trying to obtain as much knowledge as possible. And so for me, it's like, what can I read? Uh, like I'm reading two different books right now and I'm listening to an audiobook. So for me, it's like I need to consume, right? I just want to consume knowledge and just be the smartest version of myself, which sometimes I go through phases where I'm like, I need to stop reading anything for a while just to like kind of calm my brain down and let me like sit on this information I just took in. So I think there's different phases that people go through. This is a really good question from Omar L. Kahodari. Do you believe there are psychological benefits to bulking? If so, what are they? I do think there are psychological benefits to bulking. I think that uh, too many people have psychological detriments from dieting, which I don't think is, you know, it doesn't mean don't diet. It just means that we have to be careful with the diet. We have to periodize the diet. We have to phase in and out of the diet. We have to have transitional phases within the diet. Um, we need accountability and empathy inside of the coaching when we're dieting because dieting is tough. We are chasing a number on a scale. We are chasing getting leaner. We are chasing, uh, we are chasing satisfaction for our insecurities a lot of times, which again, I'm not against. I run a dieting company, a coaching company. Um, we're all about doing that, but in the right way. And we want to do it with ultimate empathy, ultimate education, and ultimate accountability and connection with the individual so they feel supported during the time. However, there are psychological burdens that come along with dieting down and cutting or losing fat. And the psychological benefits of bulking are, in my mind, reversing 
all those negative psychological uh, feedback loops or, or uh, repercussions that you have during a cut or a diet or a fat loss phase. When we are bulking, we are getting comfortable with the idea that it's just a number on the scale. We are getting comfortable with the idea that we can't stay in a deficit all the time. We are getting comfortable with the idea that we shouldn't be super, super, super lean or skinny all the time. We are getting comfortable with the idea that, you know what, a little bit of body fat on my body is actually totally fine. It's not the end of the world. Am I healthy? Right? We are getting confident in the idea of chasing health and performance versus just what you see in the mirror. Right? And, and if for anybody who's, who's really committed to a bulk, usually it's tough at first. right? And that's another psychological benefit. Getting over that gap, bridging over that gap of difficulty mentally is a tough one because when you start the bulk and you start seeing the scale go up, I don't care if you're a male or female, young or old, uh, experienced, new, it's not easy to see the scale go up because – in reality, in world, in society, we associate the scale going up with fat gain and with negativity. We, we associate that with unhealthy. We associate that with ugly, unfortunately, right? And, and this is how our brains are programmed from media, unfortunately. But if you can break through that period of time, the rest of the bulk becomes really easy and the next cut becomes way less psychologically taxing because you've changed your mindset and your mind frame around what the scale is. Um, and I don't think you can get to that unless you go through a maintenance, gaining, or bulking phase successfully, like, a, like at least trying to do it, right, and getting through some of it. Um, it was even tough for me at first, but after you know the first like month or two, it was just coasting. It was easy, and, and you kind of realize that like, man – I'm filling out my clothes better. Uh, I, I, like I, I talk to even women that are like, you know what, like um, I'm definitely not as lean as I normally am, but um, I'm filling out my pants better in a good way. Like I feel great in the gym. I'm sleeping like a baby. My sex drives up. It's like perfect, right? For guys, I'm filling out my shirts more. I'm lifting heavier in the gym. I feel really good. My sex drives up. Great. Your psychological productivity at work is up. Great. All these things happen during a bulk. The only downside of a bulk is that when you take off your shirt, you might not be as lean as you once were. Some people are still pretty lean. Some people, you can see a little bit of chub. I can see a little bit of chub on me right now because I went through a full bulk and I gained 12, 13 pounds or something by the end of it. It went from 168.5 to 184.5, which is, uh, let's just round up, 169 to 185. Uh, that is 11, 16 pounds. Holy shit. That's more than I thought it was, <laughs> but, uh, it's, and that's what I ended at was that 184.5. Um, and now I'm cutting, but you know, like getting to that point allowed me to feel so much better. And, and I got way more compliments from friends, from my family, from my wife. She likes the way I look way better. Right. And I hate the way I look when I look in the mirror. Why is that? Well, it's because my mindset is attached to dieting. My mindset is attached to being lean. My mindset is attached to being shredded. Right. As a trainer, I need to be shredded. And that's how most people think. Like as a fitness person, I need to be shredded. I need to be look good. And I understand that. But the reality is, is most people don't feel that way. Like my wife likes me with a little bit of meat on me way more. And, and realistically, the only person I'm taking my shirt off in front of ever is my wife. Right. I didn't even go swimming once this summer. I mean, partially because of COVID, I don't think you can, but point being is like, I did it opposite. I bulked through the summer and now I'm cutting through the winter. <laughs> like it doesn't make any sense. But, uh, but my point is, is, you know, going through a bulk will allow you to eliminate some of those psychological, uh, negative aspects that come along with dieting, especially if you're prone to those things more, um, so yeah, I think, I think there are some psychological benefits. I think the hard, the other part of it is that's really hard, but also one of the biggest psychological benefits is that it takes a lot of time. 
you know, the last time I did a diet was 13 months ago. So I took just over a year between deficits, right? So I finished my deficit in August of 2019. I reversed for a month or two, got to maintenance, hung out at maintenance for a couple months, and then I got into a surplus for 10 months, nine months. So that's a long time. So think about this. Like I stopped my diet and, and I didn't get as lean as I wanted to get. Um, and I'm going to get leaner this time, but I had to stop because it was time to stop. Physiologically speaking, I needed to stop. That was already hard. I'm not there yet, but I see where I'm at and I see where my health is. I need to change because I need to get that right. That's, that's a big benefit. The next step was saying I need to commit the next year to doing this. So I called the coach and I paid for a year up front. That is a big psychological commitment, not only from a financial perspective, but the psychological perspective of saying, fuck, I have one full year of just trying to gain weight, of psychologically trying to re-motivate myself to stick through this. That's a long period of time, right? So really, really, really big positive note from uh, the bulking is just how long it takes. Like it is just a long fucking journey. So if you can get through that, I think it's a really, really positive thing. I think it's really helpful. Um, cool. That's a really good question. I think it's really applicable to a lot of people too. Uh, how to, had a question on how you go about getting the most out of your clients, especially online. I find results are scattered depending on buy-in and following the plan. Is this more behavioral or need more follow-up for better results? Thank you. Uh, from Kyle Johnson, uh, Travis would really appreciate your name. Very American and easy to, <laughs> Kyle Johnson. Uh, Travis would love that, but I'm reading the questions today. So sorry, I got the good ones. Um, Okay. How do I go about getting the most out of my clients? I think there's a lot that goes into it. Uh, number one, I think creating the image of your brand in a very descriptive way is very helpful. So when people step on board with tailored coaching, they know what they are getting. They know what they're getting into. They know what they're committing to. They know what we do. They know what we believe in. So there's not a lot of buy-in, you know, like I, the buy-in is already there because of the brand, because of the content, because of this podcast, people come into it knowing what to expect. So I think your, I think your marketing and your branding has to be very, very, very transparent and clear. Uh, even though those are like polar opposites, if you think technically, um, uh, transparency is being able to see through. But you have to be transparent and you have to be very, very descriptive and clear with what your mission is because that's the only way people are going to step into it with that buy-in already there. Um, the other part of it is is content. You know, like I think doing this podcast, letting you guys hear my voice, uh, letting the clients listen to this podcast and hear my voice, that is very, very powerful because it's a, it's a, a message that is constantly being thrown at them, right? There's a lot of coaches who just have email interactions, but they don't create so much personal content, right? Well, one of the biggest benefits of my personal content that I put out is that our members watch it and listen to it. So they hear me talk. They hear my experiences. They know who I am. They trust me because they literally know a lot about me. They know me because I'm open, I'm honest, I'm transparent, I'm authentic, right? It, it's, it's that in which allows people to build trust, loyalty, um, and buy-in before they even step into it, let alone while they're going through it, if they're constantly hearing that. Um, the other part of it is is it's very behavioral. I don't think more follow-up is necessarily better. 
Um, you know, accountability never hurts, uh, but you can check in on a client a million times. If they don't have the behaviors and the habits and the motivation in place personally, they're not going to make progress because it starts with them, not us as coaches, right? We guide them. They, they start the process. That first step of a thousand steps, that's them, right? So, um, I, I think that one of the biggest ways to help with things is not necessarily relying on how many times you check in with them. Like, yes, check in with them at first, but eventually you have to have a hard discussion with them. This is where something like motivational interviewing or crucial conversations are great books for you because this is a period of time where you have to have a, a serious conversation with them as to why they're doing what they're doing, both from a standpoint of like, why are you chasing this goal and why are you not following through with what, what we need you to do, right? A attach those two things together is the pain of you staying where you're at worth the pleasure of being lazy and not following through with your goals? Or is the pain of doing the work, meal prepping, and training hard worth the pleasure of loving what you see and being able to never regret not working your ass off to get there? Because you did it. You achieved it. Having these conversations and being real with them. Like, hey, you're wasting your money. What are you doing? I don't want to waste your money. I don't want to waste your time. I don't want to waste my time. I want to give you the most out of your results. The only way we can do that is if you follow along with what I'm trying to guide you on. If you do the work, to an extent, do what I say because it is my job to lay out the path for you. If you don't follow the path, then how can you expect to get to that goal? But a lot of coaches will not have these conversations with clients. And I know for a fact that we do because I've had that conversation many times and I've talked to my coaches about having to have those conversations with many members because I'm in the loop with everything. Uh, and at the end of the day, like that's required for some people. We need hard conversations to get our shit together, right? And not everybody's going to be able to get their shit together right away. And that's normal. Fucking barely anybody is, honestly. So I think it really does come down to behavioral. I think you have to have crucial conversations. Um, I think your marketing, your branding uh, is, is really big in the buy-in standpoint because that's what creates like your marketing, your branding should sell them before you even try to sell them. Because when they need help, they should look to you as the people that they trust and know they're going to work with because of what you've been putting out and because of what your brand stands for. And then continually doing that branding and that marketing and that content creation is what allows current members and clients to consistently get the message and understand who you are and what you guys stand for to continually grow um, inside of your organization. So um, – that's probably the best I can do to answer that question. Uh, and then the last question we have today is, have you ever attempted a challenge and failed miserably? If so, how'd you cope? From at K Clay 4 That's a hard one. Um, have I ever f attempted a challenge and failed miserably? Uh, yeah, absolutely. Um, I mean, the things I can think of is number one are, are 90 day outcomes. I said 90 day outcomes every single 90 days, every quarter. It's a new set of outcomes. It's three months to chase my goal, so on and so forth. I would be full of shit if I told you I accomplished every single 90 day outcome. I'd say it's probably 50 50. Sometimes I shoot real high and I just shoot too high and I don't get there. Sometimes I don't shoot too high, but things come up in life and it makes it very difficult to accomplish the goals. Even like I was halfway through my 90 day outcomes, I was super motivated, I was ahead of the game, I was on point, and then COVID hit, right? And two out of four of my goals did not get met. Because COVID hit and I tried to work around it. I tried to course correct and I just couldn't. Um, I tried to start a clothing company before I started a coaching company. Uh, I, was, I was a trainer. Uh, I was a trainer in nutrition, still working for somebody else. And I started a clothing company called uh, Kaizen Lifestyle Clothing. 
uh, Kaizen Clothing Lifestyle Brand. And uh, it was dope. It was it was a really cool logo. It was a cool mission statement. Uh, we had a lot of influence from the book The Alchemist on like how we we built our, our clothing and our brand and our logo and our slogan of uh, building your own personal legend, essentially. Really, really cool, and it was fun. Uh, but we failed. We fell right on our face. Uh, it didn't, didn't go very far. We had a website mapped out. Uh, built out. We had uh, Instagram started. We had some material that we were getting to people selling. Um, and it just like, we didn't know how to run a business is what it came down to. And there was three people as partners who didn't see eye to eye on everything. Um, not in a negative way, just like, it's just hard to be business partners with people. And it just didn't pan out. Um, and yeah, uh, how did I, how did I cope with these things? I mean, to be honest with you, like I still want to start a clothing company someday. <laughs> so like I never, I never really, I never really stopped that. I just was like, fuck, not the right time. I need to understand business a little bit better before I get into that. And maybe we'll get back into it. You know, maybe this charity shirt thing will lead into that. Uh, it's something that I've always been passionate about is, is clothing and fashion. And that's actually what I wanted to do before I got into fitness, uh, senior year of high school. And then when I first started, my plan was to try to knock out some classes at community college and then transfer to a, an art institute, start a fashion brand, get into that in the Seattle downtown area and build a, build like a, an urban clothing brand, like something like Crooks and Castles or Diamond, uh, uh, um, Supreme, stuff like that. Like that was my goal. Uh, obviously that never panned out because I found something else that I was more passionate about, which is training and nutrition. But um, how did I cope with that? I just cope with it from the standpoint of, of you know what, like not everything works out. Uh, and, and I think it's very cheesy, but what did I learn from it? Like for me, it, that's really what it is. It's like, what did I learn from this experience? Right? I didn't win. I didn't succeed. I failed, but there's always a lesson to be learned inside of every failure. There's always a reflection to, to, to take. There's always things that you can work on after failing and that's what's ultimately going to lead to success, success later on. So now that I want to create a clothing pro company in the future, it's going to be easy because I know, I know exactly what I did wrong. I know exactly what not to do. Right. Um, and I have more connections to, to figure that out now. Um, my 90 day outcomes, every time I failed, how did I cope? Like, oh, man, yeah, I was pissed. I was bummed out. But then after the fact, I, I just sit back and go, okay, during these 90 days, what stopped me from reaching that goal? What got in my way? What was my biggest roadblocks? What hurdles were there? How could I have gotten through those if I was thinking neutrally uh, during that period of time? And then when I have those notes, I can go into my next 90 outcomes with a better plan. So I think the, the way I cope with it is because I always know automatically that if I fail, it's going to give me a lesson that's going to allow me to do it better next time. And if you can do that, I think you'll always win. Before I let you go, I just want to say thanks. I seriously appreciate you spending this last hour or so with me, educating yourself to get better results. It still humbles me to this day that people around the world literally have me in their headphones or their speakers just to learn. It's so empowering and because of that, I have three quick things for you. The first one is a personal favor. Please leave me a five-star rating and review on iTunes. When you do this, not only does it help me learn and get better at making podcasts for you to get better results, but it helps us grow inside of iTunes, which allows us to invest more, again, to get you better results. The second thing, head over to boomboomformance.com sign-up or click the link in the show notes to get your free copy of The Nutrition Hierarchy. 
This is everything you need to know about nutrition to change your body composition or performance inside of a manual. I take the leading evidence inside of research and all the principles, methods, and tools based on some of the top professionals in the industry, and I put them all in a book so you can learn more about your nutrition and get better results. The third thing, this is a personal invitation to shoot me a DM on Instagram or email me at Cody at BoomBoomPerformance.com. I will help you troubleshoot anything you need. This is literally an invitation to jump in my inbox and ask me anything you want and let me help you. All right, guys, that's all I got for you this time. I appreciate you being here and I'll see you next time.